What's up everybody, Brad here back again. It is September 20th. It is relatively, well, relatively being, it's pretty dang warm where I am. Hopefully you've had a wonderful week and had lovely weather the entire time. But let's just do our weekly wrap up of some of the bigger headlines impacting the Microsoft world and a little bit beyond. And so this week, uh, Microsoft announced that Build, for all of you that att attend Microsoft's largest development show, is happening once again in Seattle, May 19th through the 21st. And this is pretty out of character for Microsoft. Uh, typically, they hold these dates way back, way back until... Uh, maybe like a month or two before the event and then they announce it and it's some big unveiling. I don't know why they they do this, but the past two years Google has announced their dates for IO before Microsoft announced build dates and they were always overlapping forcing Microsoft to shift build dates uh, for, to like a Monday through a Wednesday rather than a Tuesday through Thursday which is way more convenient so people can travel on a Monday rather than a Sunday. Anyways, uh, so Microsoft has played their cards May 19th through the 21st in Seattle. And I will obviously be there as I am every year, but this one will be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Google uh, overlaps again, once again with IO. So there you go, May 19th through the 21st. And obviously the other big conference that is coming up is Ignite, which happens in the first week of November. And before that, we have an event on October 2nd in New York City where Microsoft is going to unveil a bunch of hardware and uh, updates to its software stuff. So uh, also happening this week, a new build of Windows 10 is now rolling out. The, one of the bigger, kind of bigger-ish things uh, in this is how you're going to pair Bluetooth items rather than having to dig through all the stinking menus. You'll now be able to do it through the little pop-out uh, notifications, making life just a little bit easier and a little bit more streamlined. And then the other thing is too, is Microsoft is making optional updates. Uh, they're making some improvements. Microsoft is trying to make it easier for you to see all of the optional updates, including drivers, features, uh, monthly non-security and quality updates all in one Windows update view, which is a good thing. Uh, if you've got one of these bad boys back here, a Surface Studio, Microsoft is rolling out a firmware update that will make the pen just a little bit mightier, actually. Just, it's reducing the latency just a bit, uh, which is obviously a good thing there. Um, also spotted this week is a new Surface Pen patent. Now, I don't have a pen on there, but on most of the Surface devices, a pen will just kind of magnetically attach to the side and it just pops right on there. And so this new patent actually kind of, it, it, Apple does this with their pen or pencil, whatever the hell they call it with the iPad Pro. If you put it on there, it starts charging. So there's a couple, there's like two things to take away from that. One, the pen, like, why don't I, why don't I have one right by me? The pen has a, has a battery in it and it lasts a really long time because it's pretty much a it's not, it's active, but I mean, it's pretty much a passive type-ish device and the, and the battery will last you a very long time. Anyways, if they are moving to a rechargeable model, uh, to me, that indicates that maybe there's going to be a bit more of an active role with the pen. Maybe they have some new features that are going to require better battery life because if they're looking to charge it that frequently, clearly they expect people to be using it more. And what are they going to be using it for? Some sort of new feature that uh, Microsoft may be rolling out. So there you go. Uh, outside the world of Microsoft, if you don't enjoy privacy, uh, Facebook has a new device for you. It looks like a kin like a Kindle, a Connect. It's a little device that sits on your TV and can record you and allow you to do the portal stuff, you know, make phone calls and all that. And I'm, I'm sure there's a good market for this, although I think Apple could do this too with FaceTime and uh, people would trust it a lot more. 
But here, here's the worst thing about this. So if you get over the fact that, hey, uh, it does have a little slider thing that you can put in front of the camera so it can block things. If you get over the fact that you're just giving Facebook all access to your living room and your prime living space and the fact that Facebook doesn't exactly have a great privacy reputation, if you get over all that, if you, if you get past that and you're like, I'm still buying one of these things. Here's, here's the dumbest part of the whole thing. When it's not recording, when this device is not recording you, it has a red light on. A red light, the same style of red light that has been used to indicate that something has been recording ever since like the first giant handycam hand thing camcorders that sat on your shoulder that were recorded to a VHS. Those used a red light to tell you, hey, this thing's recording. Facebook said, nah, we're going to we're going to throw all that conventional wisdom out the window and we're going to say a red light means it's not recording and that a green light is. It, yeah, that, that's Facebook in a nutshell. Uh, if you've been holding out for the new iPhones or a new Apple Watch and all that good stuff, uh, that is now available today. If you camped out for it, I don't know why, because these things seem to be readily available and you can order them online and have them shipped to your house. Anyways, uh, the new iPhone 11 out. The iPhone 11 Pro does appear to have a much better camera than my very crappy uh, 10s. So I, I don't think I'm going to update, but anyway, so that's that. And then the new Apple Watch looks fine. If you want, really want an, all, an always on display, that will be, uh, you know, th that's for you. Although it looks like the battery life is about the same. My biggest qualm, and I'm, I don't plan to upgrade unless I break this one, is I have a Series 4, which I quite, I quite like this thing. The problem is, is that it's now a year old and it gets about a day, about a day of battery life. Now, if I do anything vigorous, like do some solid exercise, like start a workout or go golfing, it's not making it a day anymore. And so Apple really needs to improve the battery life of these things. I will be able to probably stretch this thing out for two years and go from a four to a six or something like that. We will see, but I don't plan on buying a five. But if you have, here's the thing, here's like, advice for you or whatever the listener if you don't have an apple watch and you're not sure if you're going to like one go get a series three they're 199 bucks which is a really good price point for this device i i, I firmly believe that 199 bucks for the series three is a good a good value um go grab that one if you really like it wear it for a year and then wait for the next generation to come out and then do your upgrade um because they're not cheap they're four or five hundred bucks even higher if you want to go there but at 200 bucks for a series three that's not a bad deal that is actually a pretty dang good bargain uh, for an Apple Watch. On the gaming side, a couple of things this week. I did a video earlier this week. If you haven't watched it, you can go do that or you can just listen to this smaller version of it. Um, so Microsoft is making a change to how they're reporting Xbox metrics. Previously, we got things like monthly active users. Uh, we got some overall gaming revenue and we got a couple other minor statistics. But here's what they're changing. Microsoft is moving away from telling us how many active Xbox Live users. We know that there's about 60-ish million as of right now. They're gonna stop telling us that, um, and they're not gonna tell us console sold, although they haven't told us that for a very long time. So I think it's maybe the Xbox 360, maybe. Um, I can't remember, the only reason I say is maybe I can't remember if they announced any launch figures for the Xbox One. So maybe something along that lines. Anyways, they're not going to tell us console sold um, because it's, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, they're not going to tell us that. They're not going to tell us that uh, the Xbox Live metrics anymore. What they're, or Xbox Live active users, what they're going to now tell us on is they're going to focus on revenue, revenue, revenue of its streaming and gaming services. So basically what they're going to do is start giving us a number of revenue of Xbox Live gold. Um, Game Pass, Game Pass Ultimate, and all of their other digital services, including like microtransactions, they're just going to give us one number, and it'll be Xbox, we'll just make up a number and say 1.8 billion, um, and they, they're not going to tell us if it's 
positive or negative cash flow or anything else like that. They're just going to tell us revenue of gaming. And so there's been a lot of talk of being like, oh my God, this is Microsoft like throwing in the towel on Xbox. I don't, I don't think that is the correct interpretation. One, um, which I will very clearly argue uh, and die on the hill of the value in Xbox is the revenue generated from these services. Microsoft doesn't make money on consoles. They don't. They, they do that as a means to get them out there to sell disc-based games or digital games and get that royalty that's, a, I've heard it's around like seven, eight bucks. It might be, I want to quote that, uh, whatever that royalty is per game sold. And so that was the whole point of selling these plastic boxes. Microsoft is not getting away from that, but it's just not the primary focus. The primary focus is delivering these gaming services that people will pay monthly for, like Gold and Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate and xCloud here uh, in the year ahead. And that is where Microsoft will actually make money, like, like money that they can reinvest and they're not losing. That is where the money comes from. And that's why they're arguing that this is the correct way to report it and not the old console sales. Um, it doesn't mean Microsoft isn't going to ever tell us how many consoles are sold, but you can guarantee that if it's a number less than PlayStation, uh, it will not be revealed. If it's equal to, I bet it would be revealed because Microsoft would love to sell as many Xboxes as they do PlayStations. But keep in mind, Microsoft is moving away from the physical hardware sales. They want to sell games to every device on the planet through xCloud, through Xbox, and all that. That is, that is how they want to make money with the platform going forward. And um, Scarlet will absolutely help them do that. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be their premier place to play Xbox games. But if you look at the overall revenue, Microsoft is still going to be providing overall gaming revenue, which is, it's not perfect. It's, we'll just say about $2.8 billion per quarter on average. In the holiday season, it's always like higher around four-ish. And some months it's way lower uh, because it's not the holiday season. They're still going to provide that overall gaming revenue figure, which is a good thing, which will help us keep that baseline of how the overall org is. But you got to keep in mind that on a quarterly basis, Microsoft does somewhere around 20 to 25 billion, maybe even a little higher in revenue. Those are just, again, rough figures. The point here is that physical console sales in the world of Microsoft is not a material value. It, it, it's very, very small in the overall revenue that Microsoft brings in. And so that's probably their justification for hiding some of this stuff is that, hey, it doesn't actually like if, if they stop selling the physical consoles today, it's not really going to impact their revenue in a significant way. That is what material means. Uh, I'm not saying Xbox isn't material. Losing two billion dollars every quarter potentially could be a, a pretty big hit. But at the end of the day, it's 10% or less of their overall revenue. Microsoft is a massive company with many different tentacles making money in lots of different places. Um, other things that are out now, if you pre-ordered, which you can pre-order in the Microsoft Store and cancel if you don't like it, which is, I haven't decided if I'm going to do it yet. But anyways, the Modern Warfare beta test is now available. You can go out and play it in traditional Call of Duty launch, typical Microsoft fashion. The beta did not launch on time at 1 p.m. Eastern yesterday when it was supposed to. It took a couple hours for uh, that cache to clear or whatever the issue was. But there you go. There you go. So let's just dive into the questions. Just a handful of them this week. And let me refresh the thread. I always post it up on Thursday. You can follow me on Twitter. That's where I drop the thread to post the questions to ask here. So Eminon uh, uh, says, is Centaurus a health ban type project? I almost answered this one, but thankfully I read the full thing. It says, meaning, give it two generations and then give up. First, I thought he was saying, is it like a, a wearable health device? It is absolutely not. It's more of a PC computing type device meaning are they going to give it two generations and give up we we don't know T historical microsoft fashion third time is the charm so i hope they hold on for at least three generations but I, even when this thing launches and if it launches and if it shows up 
I still think this is going to be a, a very niche hero type device, almost similar to HoloLens. It's going to be low volume, so it's going to be high in price. Um, I think it's just going to be an aspirational hero type product for Microsoft that shows, hey, this is the future of computing. This is we are still innovative, innovative, uh, if you will, in this segment. And this is what we're capable of. But we still don't think that this is a mainstream device. So there you go. Mr. PKI says, looking forward to the October hardware event, as am I. Uh, have you already received oh, have you already received an embargo briefing in advance of the event? I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, we'll just move on. Uh, Rick says, happy Friday, Brad. Uh, there are reports that there won't be a Surface, rebook, re Surface Book refresh at the October event. That is what I have heard as well. I'm not saying it's not happening, but I have heard from uh, insiders at the company who would be well-versed on this stuff. And multiple people are saying they're not hearing a Surface Book refresh is on the agenda. And I am thinking that might make sense. I think earlier this year, you and others reported about a redesigned book for 2020. I can see them holding off on a spec bump for now and just waiting for a redesign. Do you think that's the case? So I'm trying to remember, it's like 18 months ago, I heard that uh, the Surface Book 3 wasn't gonna show up until the very, very, very end of 2019. Um, and so that I don't know if that actually was the launch date or when that was going to be like some of the first runs off the production line to see if it was ready for mass production. Here's kind of my take on why they may not also refresh it at this moment. Microsoft's got a lot up there, a lot going on, right? We've got a new Surface Pro, uh, a Surface Pro with ARM. I believe we've got a new Surface Book with an AMD processor that may be of the 15-inch variety. They've got potentially a Centaurus device. Um, I don't know if Windows Lite is showing up, still flaky on that one. Um, and some other things going on. That is a hell of an event. And so from a PR and marketing aspect, do they actually need to launch a Surface Book 3 at this event, which is a lower volume device than the Surface Laptop or the Surface Pro? I don't think that they do. I think that they can hold off and have another event or in another time uh, rev that Surface Book 3, uh, getting terminology mixed up here. They could rev it then and be just fine and not come away with people being like, oh, I don't think Microsoft announced a lot of stuff. I think Microsoft's got a lot up their sleeve. I think this is going to be a pretty big event, and I think they are inviting a lot of people um, based on just, just talking with people in the industry about who's going. Uh, when we did the Surface Pro 6 event, it was very small, like 20, 30 people, something very small like that uh, in the room. I think this is going to be much more of arena style and a lot of people showing up and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And then the last question from Cy Choker says, first question, oh, he's got two of them. Uh, would it be possible to emulate an Android phone on Windows 10 or light devices with LTE? So it, would it be possible to have a phone with Centaurus or even uh, when it happens with Andromeda? So yes, Microsoft, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I thought it was Astoria. I think was the, the technology. Microsoft actually had this up and running and it was so dang good that they were worried that it was gonna completely destroy the Windows Store, which let's be honest, isn't exactly the most vibrant and healthy place on the internet. So maybe it would have shifted the tides for potentially uh, Windows Phone if they would have kept that around. So is it possible? It is absolutely possible. You can actually even go look at a thing like BlueStacks, uh, which allows you to emulate today I believe Android applications on Windows. The question becomes, could it replicate the LTE functionality? Uh, that might be a little more difficult, but if you're already on Windows, just go grab a Windows tablet like a Surface Go, like right here, with LTE enabled, and then that solves that problem. 
Uh, second question, what do you think about, oh, I like this one. What do you think about a planner organizer app like, like a Filofax with Microsoft Service? One app that contains OneNote, email, calendar, contacts, sticky notes, OneDrive, and pen, and you can use it and link all the stuff together, a little bit like the old Pocket PC PDAs. I th I like this idea. I think this might fall in line closer to the Microsoft uh, Teams for Life that we've been hearing about. I would love a, a, like an all-in productivity app. And Microsoft Teams does this, but on a personal level, that just basically has my calendar, uh, OneDrive, and OneNote all like in one very easy to use place inside of a single app. Um, I, I don't quite know what the UI would look like. Uh, I'm trying to remember there's a there's an app out there that has a big following that does something similar, but uh, I cannot think of its name. Cannot think of its name. Why can't I think of it? It's kind of like a sketch app. Um, anyways, so I, I think there's room for it. I'm, I'm actually hoping that we do see something like this. There are a lot of third-party products that are popping up. One is called Shift, I believe, that allows you to bundle all these apps together. Um, but anyways... I like your idea. I, I do. And I think Microsoft might be going that route. I really do. Uh, wait and see what Teams for Life, which is the consumer version of Teams, is like. And then maybe we will see if uh, we should we should circle back on this question and see if it's close enough. So uh, there you go, guys. Uh, that wraps up for this week. A little bit of a quicker show. As always, appreciate the questions. Hope you have a wonderful time. Next week should be, I think, a little bit busier. Then obviously the following week will be pretty crazy up in New York for the Microsoft event. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend, and we'll catch all of you right back here next time.